0: Find it easy to enjoy your more compliant and respectful child but difficult to enjoy your more challenging child are you concerned and upset that a family member is showing favoritism but you're afraid that bringing it to their attention would cause conflict is your child one of the non-favored and is angry or hurting as a result well then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode i'm your host katie morgan and welcome to parenting with ginger hubbard Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at GingerHubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support truly helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. Ginger and I want to give a special thank you to Shars. I think it's Shars in North Carolina. I think it's short for Charlotte, maybe. I'm probably. Like a nickname, maybe. If it's Char's, I'm sorry. But we're going to say Shars in North Carolina. Thank you so much for your wonderfully generous gift. And she said this, I love your podcast. It helps me so much during the day as a stay-at-home mom. I've even had my husband listen to a few. We hope this helps your ministry. What a blessing. Oh,
1: that is it is. And yes, Shars, your support absolutely helps the ministry. As a matter of fact, this might be a good time to mention that we are really needing to hire two more people to help with some of the logistics of our podcast um, that's just out of our expertise the podcast has grown much faster than we anticipated to the point that it's more than we can manage with our little team. We want to do what we do well. So we need to hire some people to help. And the only way that we can do that is through your financial support. So as Katie said, we hope you'll prayerfully consider partnering with us so that we can further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for God's glory.
0: When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible. And they'll ask a question like, is that true, mom? Did we come from apes? Is the earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's word. And it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my kids are from a biblical worldview. This is why our family uses BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Our family uses BJU Press video courses, and I love the fact that they are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's really great about the video courses is that all three of our kids, including our first grader, can work independently and at their own pace. But if you would rather facilitate your child's homeschooling, if that's more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Just go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Ginger, we have a pretty complicated topic here today, and we're going to try to address it from a few different perspectives. So first, we'll talk about parents who show favoritism, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Then we'll talk about what to do when other relatives show favoritism toward our children or our child. And finally, we'll talk about favoritism from the perspective of the child who is not favored and how we can help them in ways that honor God and others in our family. But before we do, I'd like to define favoritism. And that is the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. So we're talking about lopsided affection, praise, time, and resources to one child at the expense of the other. So let's start, Ginger, with parents who are listening and might realize their own tendency to favor one of their own children.
1: Okay, that sounds good. Well, there are so many reasons why parents might show favoritism. It could be that favoritism is shown to the child who is naturally more compliant. And if we're all honest, it's just easier and more pleasant to interact with a child who respects and obeys authority as opposed to the child who disobeys and challenges authority. Similarities and differences in personality can also play a part and can go either way in favoring one child over the other. In other words, for the parent who has a more laid-back quieter personality, it can be easy to favor the child who is more laid-back and quiet over the one who's outgoing and active and loud. On the other hand, similarities can have an opposite effect, especially if there's a particular trait that we don't like about ourselves and we see that same trait in one of our kids. It can be tempting to favor the child who's different, who doesn't have that same struggle. Mm. Natural God-given talents can also play a part in favoritism. A dad who loves sports and knows nothing about music might favor his athletic child over his more musically inclined child. And it might not be intentional favoritism. It's just that dad is naturally going to enjoy throwing a baseball or kicking around the soccer ball in the backyard more than he would watching beginner band practice. So the athletic child gets more of dad's attention. And it's the same with moms who might favor or enjoy spending more time with a child who loves sewing because they share that common interest over her more scientific or mechanically inclined child who's setting off homemade volcanoes in the living room or disassembling lamps. Mm -hmm. And again, it might not be intentional favoritism. It's easy for the dad who loves sports to spend time with his athletic child doing what they both enjoy. And it's easy for the mom who loves sewing to spend more time with the child who wants to learn how to sew. But we must be aware that the other child can perceive that as favoritism, even if it really isn't. The challenge and encouragement here is to make a conscious effort to show equal amounts of interest and spend equal amounts of time with a child who might feel left out, supporting what they love to do well. So maybe dad makes a conscious effort to sit and listen to his child practice piano and offers praise and encouragement. Our mom shows interest and asks her child questions about what made the volcano erupt, and praises the child who was able to disassemble the lamp so that they could learn how it works, ask questions about how did you figure out how it works. Just taking time to acknowledge and ask questions that show interest, that speaks volumes to kids. All that to say, it's important to be aware of how temperament, strengths, weaknesses, personalities, and talents can make it tempting to favor or at least just to be more attentive to one child over the other so that we can make a conscious effort
0: to avoid habits that can be perceived as favoritism. That's really helpful, Ginger. Uh, one thing you didn't mention in that, that I've actually experienced in my own parenting is feeling more connected to or patient with a child of the same sex. So I have a difficult time identifying with a seven-year-old boy's need to tackle people when he wants to show them affection. But that <laughs> is his God-given nature. And it is for n- maybe not all, but many boys, if not most, Sure, we need to help him harness that, but I found myself becoming so irritated with both of my boys because all of the rough and tumble play they did on a regular basis. I can't think, Ginger, of a single instance as a young girl when I felt the need to tackle one of my little girlfriends because we were having so much fun (laughs) together. It's just not, that's just not the way we interacted. Um, But several months ago, Ginger, this is a funny story. I volunteered at a fourth and fifth grade retreat at our church. There were more than 80 boys and girls at this thing, and it was really eye-opening to me. Now, I've always been a believer in the inherent difference between the sexes, but I've never seen it on such full display. So all 80 of these children were eating breakfast in our church tabernacle. There were boys on one side of the room and girls on the other side. The girls' side looked like they were having a quaint English tea party And the boys' side looked like they were having a monster truck rally. It was bedlam. (laughs) And I just could not stop laughing at how different these two groups of people were in this moment. And uh, when all the kids cleared out of the tabernacle, some of the other moms and I commented about what the actual tables looked like after that one meal. So the girls' side had a few crumbs here and there, and maybe some random art supplies or a hair rubber band left behind. But the boys' side had smashed French French toast sticks and syrup everywhere. <laughs> and many of them left clothing behind. Like who's undressing during this event? <laughs> and in more than one place, I'm pretty convinced that some of these fourth and fifth grade boys had been chewing on the plastic tablecloth. It was unbelievable. It was hilarious. <laughs> but you know, I noticed some of the other moms helping there that day. They seemed, as I did, to be honest with you, they seemed overwhelmed and kind of irritated with those boys. And I think that we as moms don't always know what to do with that kind of male energy. Not to say that girls can't be energetic, but I have found that boys often have a very different way of expressing their God-given nature than girls do. I watched these college-age young men who were there also volunteering at that event. And they would just roughhouse with these young boys and generally show affection by kicking them in their rear end. And it just—it was great. They just (laughs) loved it. And it was fascinating, though. These boys had the best time with those young men who were there to roughhouse with them. Now, I said all of that to say if you're a mom and you find yourself disciplining your son because he's just so rowdy or aggressive— please listen to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast or pick up a copy of the book called Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys. Both of those resources have been so helpful to me in raising my boys and many of the things I found myself correcting or even disciplining were truly part of their God-given nature as boys. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you need to turn your house into a monster truck arena, but I'm saying that we can probably give our boys far more room to be wild. At least I know I can.
1: Mm, That's such a good point, Katie. But I do have to chime in here and mention that while what you're saying is probably true, most of the time, that's not always the case. Wesley, my son, he was far more calm and quiet and much neater than my daughter, Alex. She's always been the louder child and more rambunctious than he was. He also kept his room neat and organized, whereas I had to stay on Alex constantly or hers would look like a tornado went through it by the (laughs) end of every day. But I agree, typically boys are more rowdy and prone to... uh, be the more messy making of the two. Something else that can come across as favoritism is when we make comparisons, like, why can't you just be like so-and-so, or Mm. I never have to ask your brother to clean his room. Why can't you clean your room without being asked like he does? unfavorable comparisons will diminish their sense of self-worth. We need to be proud of our children no matter what their strengths and weaknesses are. Former President Jimmy Carter in his book entitled The Sources of Strength tells about the day of his inauguration in January of 1977. He decided that rather than riding the presidential limousine from the Capitol where the swearing-in ceremony had just taken place to the reviewing stand and parade just outside the White House, he made the decision to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue with his family. And before they left, his whole family was given instructions, strict instructions, to not stop and talk to the press on the way to the reviewing stand. They wanted for those interviews to all take place once they all got there. But President Carter said that his mom had always had a mind of her own, so she chose to stop along the way and talk to the reporters. And the first question they asked President Carter's mom was, Miss Lillian, aren't you proud of your son? And I absolutely loved her response. She grinned from
0: ear to ear and asked, which one? Mm, I love that. There's so much wisdom in those two words. And, Ginger, it's interesting that Jimmy Carter is the one who acknowledged that moment in his book. Mm hmm. So, right. who, who might be the more favored son? He recognized that relationship mm-hmm. with his other siblings and his mother. That's amazing. And saw that as a good thing and a strength that exactly. encouraged in the
1: family. So, yeah, I love that. Mm. Um, Another example is Billy Graham's father. Billy Graham was one of the most influential evangelists of all time. I think we would all agree. He preached the gospel of Christ in person to more than 80 million people and reached countless millions more over the airways before leaving this earth and entering the gates of heaven in 2018. I mean, what a lifetime example of well done he Mm -hmm. left. I can think of no greater example. Many years ago, Billy Graham's father was interviewed by a reporter and the reporter said, Mr. Graham, I know you must be so proud of your son, Billy. He's such a great preacher and well-known all over the world. And again, I loved how Billy Graham's father responded. He thought for a moment, and then he said, You know, Billy is a pretty good preacher, but I've got another son too. And he's one of the best farmers in North Carolina. Mm. These are men who impacted the whole world, had a powerful impact on the whole world, and that's the kind of supportive parents these great men had. That's the mindset that we should have. We shouldn't make unfavorable comparisons between our sons and daughters because unfavorable comparisons can be perceived as favoritism, which is going to cause them to be discouraged. And that discouragement can lead to a root of bitterness. Mm. Colossians 3.21 says, fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. We're also warned against showing favoritism in James 2 verse 1, which says, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Mm.
0: Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. We, we've had questions come in from parents asking how they can handle grandparents showing favoritism. But let's take it a step further and ask how we should handle it if our own spouse or anyone really in the family shows favoritism towards some kids more than others. Yeah, we actually had a question about
1: grandparents showing favoritism just here recently. Uh, So I reached out and consulted with our friend, Dr. Josh Mulvahill, because he is the grandparenting expert. We've had him on our show. We highly recommend Josh's book, Grandparenting, Strengthening Your Family and Passing on Your
0: Faith. That's right. Josh, he is a wonderful resource for parenting and grandparenting wisdom, and we do recommend anything he's written And we also recorded an insightful episode with Josh called Setting Boundaries with Grandparents. That was episode number 61. And we have an upcoming episode with Josh called The Biblical Role of Grandparents, which will also be a fantastic episode packed with wisdom and advice. And that one will probably air in August. So stay tuned for that.
1: Mm -hmm. So after talking to Josh, he gave me some really good insights. Uh, One thing that I gleaned is that it's important to consider who's actually noticing the favoritism. Is it the parent or the child that's picking up on it? If it's the parent, it could be that the parent is concerned about something that the child isn't even aware of. Something that's bothering the parent may not be bothering the child at all. So Mm -hmm. unless the child is actually communicated that they feel a family member showing favoritism, let's not just assume that they're perceiving things the same way that we might be. Uh, You know, adults are more discerning than children. If the parent is picking up on favoritism, but it doesn't seem to be affecting the child, I would encourage the parent just to let it go rather than trying to address it with a family member because there's always that possibility that addressing it might not go over well, could wind up causing tension in the relationship. So if it's not absolutely necessary, in other words, if it's just an annoyance to the parent and not so much a big deal to the child, then it's probably best to not bring it up. There are so many issues that we could bring up with loved ones. So we really need to choose our battles wisely. We're told in Ephesians four two to bear with one another in love. And Romans 12.18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So all that to say, if it's a minor issue that's not really hurting the child as much as it is offending the parent it might mm. be wise to choose patience and overlook that offense proverbs nineteen eleven says a person's wisdom yields patience
0: it is to one's glory to overlook an offense Ooh, I think that's a really important point to make straight out of the gate because nothing brings out the fight in me like when I feel that one of my children has been mistreated. And for that to come from a family member, I'm sure can be even more of a challenge. So this is why I love your advice to slow down and prayerfully bear with our family in love and seek wisdom on which battles are worth fighting and which ones are not. Because again, when it comes to my children, all battles seem worthy of fighting in that moment. But I know that that's my own love for my children, and honestly, my pride in many instances that can often cloud my judgment.
1: That's right. And and we're all that way, Katie. Nothing brings out the mama bear in us more than if we think one of our kids is being wronged or, or mistreated. That's right. But it's wise for us to check our own hearts before responding, because if there's any underlying or unresolved bitterness or resentment toward that family member, it could cloud our judgment and cause us to either see something that's not actually there or make a bigger deal out of it than the situation warrants. Mm -hmm. If there is a root of bitterness or resentment regarding something completely unrelated— We would need to prioritize dealing with our own hearts, lest we fall into the temptation of using our children for retaliation. Ephesians 4.31 commands us to get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So if there's something that's happened in the past, something that's been said or done that might be causing animosity toward that family member, we really need to pray that God would give us the grace to forgive and let it go. We don't want to weaponize our children because Mm. that's not in their best interest. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own
0: interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Mm. Okay, now let's flip it around and say that the child has actually communicated an awareness and hurt over a parent's or other family member's favoritism. Do you think, Ginger, it would be appropriate to bring that to the attention of the family member?
1: Well, assuming the parent's heart is right toward that family member and the only motive is a genuine concern for the child and that that relationship uh, be restored and and be the best that it can be, then a heart-to-heart conversation might be helpful, especially if it's presented the right way. That's Mm -hmm. the key. Uh, Dr. Josh Hill had a great suggestion to start the conversation out by expressing appreciation for the family member's involvement with the children and maybe mentioning a, a few specific contributions they've made to the kid's upbringing. And it, and I, I couldn't agree with that advice more. I think that's really, really wise advice uh, because that can help set the right tone before bringing the child's observations and feelings to their attention. If a parent decides that they do wanna have that conversation, I very much encourage them to pray and ask the Lord to help them approach that topic in a gentle and loving way, as opposed to an angry and accusatory way. One way to do that is to go into the conversation just giving the benefit of the doubt. As we mentioned earlier, the favoritism might not be intentional. So instead of saying, every time you show favoritism, you're hurting Mandy, maybe say something like, you know, little Mandy's really struggling. She feels like you're favoring Jay over her and she's just brokenhearted about it. She loves you so much and her relationship with you is so important to her, which is why I wanted to make you aware of how she's perceiving things. See, that's not accusatory at all. That approach really shouldn't put anyone on the defense. It might also be a good idea to affirm that you know that the family member has always acted with the best intentions for the kids. And, you know, you might be surprised and relieved at how well a family member might respond if you approach it like this. Even if they are aware and that they are showing favoritism, they might not realize that the unfavored child has picked up on it or that it's causing hurt. I would imagine that most family members would respond with something along the lines of, oh,
0: I would never want to do that or I would never want to make her feel that way. I like this approach, Ginger, because the idea of shutting out a family member or harboring bitterness toward them because they might show favoritism is simply fighting sin with more sin. So if a a family member simply uses a different tone of voice with one child or maybe they seem to be short-tempered with another, that is frankly human nature in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. It, It doesn't mean it's okay But I don't believe it rises to the level of intervention. Now, I know that I'm even guilty of this with my own children. I think we are sometimes more harsh with our children who are more like us because we see behaviors Mm -hmm. or sins in them that we dislike in ourselves, like you mentioned Mm -hmm. before.
1: Yeah, that's right. Something else that Josh mentioned, Katie, is that if a child has been hurt by a family member's favoritism, it's important to help them process their emotions. Mm -hmm. He recommended having a conversation with the child in the most God-honoring way possible for the family member and help the child learn how to respond to the emotions and wounded heart, especially with forgiveness and grace toward that person. And again, I thought that was great advice. I do want to add, though, the importance of not blowing off the child's hurt. Mm -hmm. If indeed favoritism has been shown, then validating the child's feelings, that's going to bring bring comfort to that child. If mom and dad have witnessed the favoritism, they should acknowledge that and sympathize with the child's hurt. And that can be done without criticizing and speaking negatively about that person. Uh, So let's just say that it is the grandparent showing favoritism. Just saying something like, I understand why you feel like grandma favors Tyler because I've seen that. That can bring so much comfort to the child because it shows them that you understand and care about their feelings. So the key is to offer comfort and understanding and compassion while also encouraging the child to forgive. Colossians 3.13 is a great verse to discuss and pray about together. That verse says, bear with each other and forgive one another if you have, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Mm -hmm. Josh also mentioned that it's worth considering having the child talk to the relative about how they're feeling, if they're willing and would be able to have that conversation in a loving way, which of course would need to be discussed beforehand. If a child asks a family member if they favor other family members over them or lovingly says that their feelings were hurt by something that family member said or did, more than likely that person will respond with compassion and reassurance of their love. But I will say that this would put the child in a vulnerable position, depending on how the family member responded. So I would definitely ask the Lord for wisdom and discernment. Also, if the child is hurt but isn't comfortable talking with the family member about it, then the parent
0: should be willing to step in as the child's advocate and go and talk with that person. Okay, so Ginger, when you and I first started pondering this episode, it occurred to me that it must have been really strange to have Jesus as a sibling. Can you even imagine that? Mm -mm. I mean, your brother is literally perfect in every way. He has never once had a selfish motive. He has never dishonored your parents. He performs miracles for crying out loud. I mean, (laughs) how could mom and dad not show favoritism toward Jesus? But interestingly, in John 5, we learn that Jesus's own brothers didn't believe in him. Hmm. The ones who heard all the family stories of how mom was visited by an angel and conceived from the Holy Spirit, they knew all of this about Jesus. They witnessed his perfect humanity, and they still refused to accept that Jesus was the son of God until he had been raised from the dead. And it made me wonder how much of his brother's refusal to believe stemmed from their jealousy of Jesus, not Mm -hmm. just because he was the perfect one, but possibly because he was the favored one, or even because they perceived that he was. Mm -hmm. So when we respond to our children who have this sadness or anger or resentment because they aren't favored, or at least that's their perception, we need to seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in our response, because it could be that their own pride and sinfulness is at the root of their emotions. Or it could be that our pride is at the root of our Mm -hmm. emotions about the situation, as we mentioned earlier. So I think this is an area where we need to be very slow to act in response, unless the behavior is just so egregious, like intentionally withholding physical affection or claiming that they don't love the child. But if a family member gives little Joey an extra cookie because... You know, she and Joey have this special bond. I don't believe that's an area where we should intervene. I do think it's more necessary and a lot easier to intervene if we see our spouse showing favoritism toward one of our children. That's a whole different situation. Mm-hmm. But even then, we should pray for wisdom in how to approach it. What do you think, Ginger?
1: I totally agree. The husband-wife relationship is is different. Right. We are one with our spouses, so anything and everything should be discussed. If one spouse is noticing favoritism or even just behaviors that could be perceived as favoritism, the marriage relationship should be unified enough to talk about it and resolve that concern. Also, if it's approached in the ways that we've discussed here on the podcast today with kindness and gentleness and not in an accusatory way, I believe most spouses would be receptive because most parents want their children to feel secure in their love for them.
0: Right. Okay, so let's talk about what ifs. Lord willing, a family member would listen and respond rightly, but what if they don't? What if favoritism is clearly evident, is clearly damaging to the child, and has been brought to their attention in a gentle and loving way, but they deny it or even become angry? Mm,
1: Well, hopefully that wouldn't happen, but if it did, I would encourage the parent to just thank the family member for listening and let it go. Be patient and give them some time to think about it and pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would break through any pride that might be there and soften their hearts. And, you know, worst case scenario, if it's a relative outside the immediate family, such as a grandparent, and they continue to show blatant favoritism, to the extreme that it's causing deep hurt to the child, you know, it may become necessary to protect the child by limiting time with that grandparent, but never stop praying for God to work because family relationships are special. They're such a blessing and joy for everyone when they're lived
0: out in accordance with God's will. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Courtney in Alabama, and she says this, When having to give medicine like an antibiotic for a certain length of time, make a mark on the bottle with a Sharpie so you don't forget how many doses you've given. That is such Mm. a simple, great Mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that tip. Thank you, Courtney. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com quicktips quick tips to submit those. Ginger, before you leave us with a final word of encouragement, how about you tell our listeners where you'll be this weekend?
1: Sure, I'll be speaking at the Marriage Family Life Conference in Tupelo, Mississippi, July 7th through nine, and I would love to meet you guys there. It is not too late to register, so for more information, just go to
0: marriagefamilylife.net. Again, that's the Marriage Family Life Conference in Tupelo, Mississippi on July 7th through the 9th, and for more information and to register, go to marriagefamilylife.net. Well, Ginger, can you please leave us with a final word of
1: encouragement? Parents, Psalm 127 tells us that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Verse 5 says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Grandparents, your grandchildren are a blessing from the Lord. Proverbs 17, 6 says, children's children are a crown to the aged. We have a role and influence in the lives of our children and grandchildren that's like no other. Let's love them well by acknowledging and appreciating the unique talents and personalities and temperaments that the Lord has purposefully crafted in them. Let's build them up in who God created them to be and encourage them to give Him the glory He deserves
0: in all things. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening, and while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering both of her children's books, co-authored with Al Roland, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Sam and the Sticky Situation is a book about whining, and Chloe and the Closet of Secrets is a book about lying. Again, just use the code parenting at checkout and get 10% off of both of those books. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Speaking of encouragement, Ginger is now offering live stream presentations for MOPs, Mothers of Preschoolers, and other moms groups. For more information, have your group coordinator fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.